Hello, and welcome to Being Boss, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs. I'm Emily Thompson. And I'm Kathleen Shannon. I'm Tara Street, and I am Being Boss. Today, we're excited to welcome back Tara Street, Kathleen's sister and co-founder of Braid Creative. As always, you can find all the tools, books, and links we reference on the show notes at www.beingboss.club. I know that we have a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs and side hustlers listening to the show, so if you're sitting there thinking about becoming your own boss, there is a good chance that your idea of how challenging it will be won't exactly match up with the reality of how challenging it's actually going to be. Now, this is not an attempt to talk you out of it. In fact, it is the exact opposite because there is so much amazing help available. You've just got to know where to look. So our friends at FreshBooks make it ridiculously easy to do cloud accounting for small businesses, and they have helped millions of folks just like you make the brave leap to being their own bosses. With FreshBooks, you can create and send perfect-looking invoices in less than 30 seconds. You can also take photos of your receipts from your phone, which makes managing your expenses a million times easier. Now, to see how FreshBooks can support you in becoming your own boss, we want to offer our listeners an unrestricted 30-day free trial. Just go to freshbooks.com slash beingboss and enter being boss in the how did you hear about us section. Tara Street is the co-founder with Kathleen of Braid Creative Branding Agency, where they develop brand positioning, messaging, and design for creative entrepreneurs and purpose-driven businesses, seeking a brand platform that fits their true vision. Tara. What? We're so excited to have you here. <laughs> that was like such a sister response. What? That was- I thought we that were still holding perfection. our breath. I thought we were still not, we hadn't finished the countdown. We are, we are in the podcast now. Like what? What do you want? <laughs> Golly, I'm just trying to do my thing and you guys are calling me and bugging me, <laughs> wanting me to play with you. I know, it is kind of like that. <laughs> it is kind of like that. Well, I'm glad you're here, Tara. I'm so glad you're here to play with us today. Tara's probably our only podcast guest who's like, fine. <laughs> fine, I'll come. <laughs> if you want me to. Oh, yeah. What do you want I, me to say? <laughs> I know, you know, whenever I was thinking about recording this episode, I usually do a little bit of prep and I'm thinking about it during my workout. And I was like, could we just kind of pretend like we're not even recording a podcast and just catch up the three of us? Right. I just want to shoot the shit with Tara. Yeah, <laughs> that would be really fun. Okay, right? so let's just pretend like we're doing that. But we're going to be talking about Braid, an evolving business. Yes. Yeah. And Please do. growing a team. Yeah. Right? And how we're making it work. Right. So for anyone who doesn't know, proper introduction here. Tara here is Kathleen's sister, yay, and partner at Braid Creative. So the two of them started Braid Creative, what, six, seven years ago now? Yeah, about six years ago. Right? And in that time, you guys have evolved a ton. And I feel like the most evolution, though, has probably taken place in the past, like, year and a half. Probably since the last time you were on the show chatting with us about whatever we were talking about now, a lot of exciting things have been going on. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to catch up on everything that's been happening at Braid. Okay. 
So Tara, start by what have we been known for over at Braid Creative? Okay, so I'd say over the past five years, what we've been most known for is branding and positioning other creative entrepreneurs, wellness entrepreneurs, coaches, coaches, designers, photographers, fun little random like people that have maybe a, a bookstore they're opening or, you know, mostly people though that are selling a service and a lot of them are doing it on their own or they're doing it with a partner. Um, I don't really use the word startup because that implies sort of tech, right? So more, you know, we've really embraced that creative entrepreneur name, whatever that means. And that's what we've really been helping for the past five years. And then in the last year, maybe a little more, time flies, we have been kind of bringing the braid method, which is sort of our process for working with these creative entrepreneurs, back to some organizations and medium-sized to even larger-sized businesses that um, we used to work with back in the advertising agency days, which Kathleen and I, we grew up in that world. And we were like, hey, maybe we could bring some of what we've been learning out. I hate to use this word, but out with the millennial minded, you know, solopreneurs we've been working with, bring it back to some organizations who could really use that insight for their brand and articulating their purpose as well. So that's what we've been doing with our offering. Some physical things have been happening <laughs> at the same time. Right. So I think it's funny because whenever I first started working for myself, Tara, you were still at the ad agency and I was doing super freelance project work, like designing wedding invitations, maybe doing a logo here and there, but we did not have a process like we do now. And whenever we started Braid Creative, I felt like I grew up a little bit with the creative entrepreneur and our creative entrepreneurs grew up with us, right? So I had a lot of people following my personal blog that were also freelancing and doing project work, Emily included, because Emily hired us for the braid method way back in the day and when is one of our first clients. And so really taking that agency strategy that we had learned from those days and taking it to creative entrepreneurs and helping them message and position themselves in this more top level way and really creating a whole brand platform and not just a logo. And so that still includes identity and design, but kind of like across the board. Right. It's like, what's your specialty? What's your expertise? Who is your dream client? What is the best content you share? What is the most inspiring thing about your personality? All of those things go into our braid method. And so I feel like I grew up starting braid creative with you as career-wise. Like it pushed me to the next level. And now I feel like five, six years into it that we're having that growth again, both for ourselves and our dream clients. So a lot of those creative entrepreneurs that we were serving five years ago have gone on to create their own small businesses where they're expanding and growing their teams, or they're going in and consulting with really large clients themselves. And with that, like, I just feel like there's this constant growth that happens with us and our clients at the same time. And I also think that um, another thing that happens for us and for you guys is there's a lot of people who follow along with Braid, who listen to being boss, who maybe don't work for themselves. And they enjoy hearing the philosophies and insights and stories, but maybe they're a marketing director 
in a larger business, right? Or they work in-house somewhere. And so there's a lot of that overlap as well. I have a question. Did the growth at Braid happen because you were getting clients coming to you asking for things that you weren't yet offering? Or did you change or did you grow up Braid in order to go after those people? Like how did that happen? It's definitely more of the latter. Whenever I say former or latter, I have to think really hard. (laughs) Is that weird? Nope. I have to think hard about things all the time. (laughs) It's the second one. So to to clarify, we grew Braid in a very intentional way in order to go after some of those Right. Because they're – and we'll get into this in this episode. I have very funny and passionate and mixed feelings about Braid – before this evolution and braid after. Okay. And so one of the things was we always said no to the extra things people wanted from us. We always said no to clients who weren't fit with our specialty and our niche for the most part. We, we broke the rules every once in a while, but it was always for a reason. We knew our rules. We knew our boundaries. We knew we wanted to be known for working with creative entrepreneurs, but also sort of small business you know, there's some wiggle room around that. Where there wasn't wiggle room is everyone who wanted to work with Braid, and this is still the case, has to hire us to do the Braid method first. And that's our branding and positioning process. Um, and then let's see. Let's see if there's other things you need from us. Some things we're a fit for, some things we're not. If you have additional things you want us to design or write for you after we've done your brand, Great. If you want us to do your website after we've done your brand, maybe not, but we have some great partners that we can recommend. <laughs> um, so we knew very clearly what our offering was, um, and we did not break the rules around that. But what we did break the rules around was um, sometimes who we'd work with. So it wasn't like all of a sudden we had larger organizations saying, oh, we want to work with Bray too, but we can't. We, we had a little bit of that, I feel like. Um, it was more like, hey, I think there is a need for this out there. Um, what would we have to do at Braid to make that feel like something we could take on working with larger clients? Um, and still asking every day, is this a rule from the old Braid days that we're willing to break or is this something that we need to do? I also want to talk a little bit about the fact that we came from the agency side where we had experience working with huge clients and huge budgets, and we thought out the gate that might be what we were doing. But again, because of my personal brand and what I had been doing, I was like, hey, let's try this creative entrepreneur thing. And we did it, and it worked, and it worked really, really well. Yeah, it was super exciting, too, that we could take a method and be able to work with I mean, I feel like maybe five creative entrepreneurs a month because of how structured and process oriented we were. And we were giving, we still are. It's so funny how we're being past tense. We still work with two to three creative entrepreneurs a month. We just have to, um, schedule very carefully, right? But, but it was so cool that we could bring that same level of not, not only creative, but strategy and messaging to so many because we were so, process-oriented and had so many systems for how we did it. 
And we got so defined in that world that I feel like it almost took us five years of really being in that world with the creative entrepreneurs and really honing our process in order to almost have the confidence to really break our rule and what we're known for and evolve in this new way. Wouldn't you say, Tara? Like, Yeah. If we had done it earlier, we would have felt like, what are we doing and why are we doing this? And we, I think we would have lost our focus. But because we have been doing it for so long in the same niche with the same focus, um, we're like, okay, we can still keep that and do this if we build a team. I think if it had just stayed just me and you, Kathleen, and, and Liz, our designer, we would have had to make a choice. Let's keep specializing in creative entrepreneurs. That's great that that higher, you know, that, that university wants to work with us or that financial institution wants to work with us, but that's not our focus as distraction. But I think it was when it became clear that we wanted to grow our team that we knew, okay, we can do both. And so we, we preach a lot about specializing and narrowing in for people who are one person and two people. And, but also knowing when it's okay to break your rules and broaden out. And can I also jump in and say another motivation for this? And this gets a little more personal between the difference between my strengths and Kathleen's strengths as the original founders and partners of Braid. And that Kathleen's always been really great at embracing new ways to scale. I know you guys talk about scaling a lot and reaching more people. You know, Kathleen had, what was your original? MySpace? So it's called? Or like LiveJournal, I think. Yeah. Um, LiveJournal and MySpace for sure. Right. So Kathleen's like 10 years old or whatever on LiveSpace and MyJournal. And I didn't even have an email until I started my first job. Right. They didn't have email at college. Like you and didn't have so an email. it's so funny because I was actually embarrassed to have those things because you didn't. Like I thought right, I was yeah. doing something wrong. Oh, this is getting real deep, real fast. <laughs> so let's talk about how uncomfortable you were with your internet persona back in the day, <laughs> Kathleen. That could get interesting. I or just not, didn't realize not. that it was a strength. I thought it was silly. Yeah. Right, because yeah. my older sister doesn't right. do that. This right. isn't real. So that's the seven year difference between Kathleen and I that is kind of a big difference. Um and so anyway, Kathleen's always been really comfortable with that one to many, right? Speaking one to many. And, and even you guys teaming up and doing being boss in the early days, it was so cool because I could see how you guys were reaching so many people, the same people we were working with one-on-one. Now you were able to reach so many through the podcast and now the book. Um, whereas I really thrive in the one-on-one. And I love when I'm working with a client one-on-one, I'm just in, in it with them. I'm just in the zone. I'm like in my sweet spot. And I've always said, I cannot, I really get the heebie-jeebies giving a talk. So nowadays, everyone feels like they should give a talk or they should, you know, do all these things that so many of us are doing well, but not everyone is suited to that. And it just kind of freaks me out giving a talk. And most people who know me are like, you're great at talking in front of people. What are you talking about? And I go, I'm great at talking in front of people if I'm talking one-on-one with them or 20 people, a boardroom. These guys could be suited up in a boardroom and I'm talking to them, but it's about their project. It's about the thing that we're creating together. It's about the hard line I'm telling them that they need to follow because I have immersed myself in that work, but it's harder for me to just share content broadly. So the point of this being, I think when you guys were able, and Kathleen has been able to embrace, and you guys and being boss have been able to reach more people one to many, that's a great way to grow a business, right? That's one way to scale and grow. 
the way I knew that I can continue to help also be a leader in Braid and help grow us is by maybe taking all these things that we've learned and grown and take them back to some companies that have some budgets and they've got some need and we can help them um, because we're just as boss in their boardroom as we are talking with the creative entrepreneurs. And so that's something, it was a choice to make uh, for a way to bridge to grow. So we weren't always doing the same thing forever, but we're not giving up on our creative entrepreneurs either. We're just finding a way that they can both coexist. I want to talk about making that choice because I doubt it was like just an overnight decision. Like (laughs) when did it start and how long did it take for you to like actually, like there had to have been a seed planted and then an actual decision and then actual implementation and completion. Like how, what did that process look like and how long was it? Again, time's funny for us because on one hand, um, Kathleen and I, and I know you're like this too, Emily, like once we decide something, we're doing it yeah, and we're yeah. doing it tomorrow. <laughs> and why didn't we do it yesterday? For sure. But on the other hand, um, when your business is going good and all systems are green and everything's happening like it should, you, you can take a little more time then figuring out how do I want to screw this all up? <laughs> <laughs> Which mistakes am I going to make first? Because it's messy going through growth. It's messy when you first start your business and then you're working towards this this place where you feel like you know know what you're doing, you got it going on. And we had that for a long time. And and then it gets messy when you want to grow again. And so I am not as comfortable with many, as many people are being in that messy place for long or the chaos. I like getting into the... Everything is feeling good and I know what I'm supposed to be doing today. Zone quickly. So um, to answer your question, one of our our new partner, not one of our new partner, Holly, um, who I'm sure we'll have a discussion about this, is someone who I've been friends and colleagues with for a long time. And so she's someone, uh, if you had asked me years ago, would you partner with this person? I would be like, no, we're so opposite. But as I've grown as a business owner and creative entrepreneur myself, I've learned to value and respect someone who has a completely different skill set than myself. Whereas younger Tara would have been like, what? You're not detail and process oriented like me. Uh, I don't have any use for you. You know, if you don't know how to bullet out these seven things in an organized way, you just need to like move along. And now I'm, you know, I like someone who can be like, here's the big vision. Here's where we want to do next. Here's where we should go with this. And I'll be like, okay, let's make that happen. Cause that's sort of the uh, thing me and Kathleen have going on. Kathleen can say, I think we should go this place next. And I can say, okay. But Let me help figure out how we get there. Part of this is that I was spending so much time over at being boss. That it was like, okay, I'm not there as much for Tara to be, how do we grow and push Braid in this way? And there were some really messy conversations as far as, sure. do we keep Braid going as it is? Am I still a part of it? Do I go full-time being boss? And this is a conversation I was having with you at the same time, Emily, about indie shopography. And we've had to make some hard choices. And at the end of the day, I knew, one, that I love Braid. I love the people I work with at Braid. Obviously, it's my family, literally. And I 
I just really value the work and I value being in the work. And so I knew that I wanted to stay in it, but I also knew that Tara needed the support and the person like I have you, Emily, like Tara needed an, one more person to be in it with her. Yes. Um, and at the same time, we didn't know that I was going to be moving at the time. So I think it's all worked out really well that she has someone physically in the space with her. So we also got a studio space which is really super cool. But having Holly there in the space too, and I get along with Holly really well too. I want this to sound like it's just Tara and Holly over there making decisions for Braid now. The three of us are very much in it together. Even last night I was texting Holly like about this decision I had to make regarding a speaking gig. And, um, you know, so like we're all very much in it together and all this to say that was part of the messy part and Holly offers this different level of support but she also offers a whole new skill set as far as growing our team from just being branding and getting really into advertising so Holly also has a background in media and buying media and that is like a whole new ball of wax for us you guys we had to buy a printer (laughs) so (laughs) okay yes we added a partner and that was uh it took a while it took about a, a year and a half We'll come back to the printer in a minute, but first adding the partner. You know, I was a lot of you guys, if you've listened to, I don't know if I talked about this in the last episode, but I've got my little shed in the garden in the backyard, which was like a fantasy come true. And I worked back there for about two years, loved my shed. Holly was coming to work in the shed. When Holly started coming to work in the shed, um, Kathleen's like, why don't I get to come work in the shed? And I was like, fine. Well, I, I don't know like, why I don't get to come such, work in the shed. Such yeah, a little so, sister move. I'm like, what? I'm like, what? I'm like Gwyneth Paltrow and Royal Tenenbaums, where I'm like, I need to move back home too. <laughs> why does he get to move home? I'm damaged too. I need to move home too. So yes, totally. So we were in this like 14 by 14 foot shed. Me, Kathleen. Holly, our designer who was interning for the summer, um, we were like, we need a space. So that was the next thing. So we we got a space. We found it in a new build area in a cool arts district in our city. And it's really cool. We built it out. I'm looking around it right now and I can't believe it. So that we had room for a team. And um, so but it took about a year and we kind of call it like living together, you know? So we've been sort of fantasizing about what it'd be like to add Holly on and to add that new layer to braid. Um, we started working on a couple projects together. So I was, we were just contracting with her to try it on. We were for both sides, our side and her side. So if any of you guys are thinking about adding a partner, this was a great way to do it. You know, she had her own little, you know, LLC. The vision was always to partner, but just set it up enough to where we could contract together um, and then we started working on the paperwork and the details and all the little legal bullets and ins and outs and of making that operating agreement, which Kathleen and I did not have one. Right. For five years. We I didn't have an operating, have an operating agreement. agreement. And that's a hard conversation to have. Like operating agreements, <sighs> like having those conversations around you know what happens when we all die or (laughs) what happens when one of us gets pissed and wants to leave or like whatever it may be or even like 
you know, leaving in a friendly manner, like all of that stuff. Those are really hard conversations to have. I cannot imagine having one with my sister. I feel like that's easier in some ways. It was. I feel like that's easier because we're practically psychic. I mean, we really feel each other yeah. big time. And um, and so, that yeah, I think that, that that's also something about bringing on a third partner is because we feel each other so much. Like there can be business meetings that end in tears, right? Right. Whereas whenever you have that third person, there is this like layer of professionalism. Like, okay, let's not cry in front of our third partner. <laughs> let's maybe suck it up a little and not be so sensitive. Um, but it was it was tricky. I think the, one of the hardest parts was that what if you leave situation? And for some reason with sisters, it's like, okay, we always want the best for each other and we will always be sisters first. Whenever you're bringing that third person, it's like, okay, we're bringing her into, it did feel a little bit like we're bringing her into our fold, which is true because we had the established established brand and we had um, all of that. There's also talks about buying in and I'm not going to share a lot of the details about that just for Holly's privacy, but it was a tricky conversation. It ended up working out fine. Um, I think a hard part about it was like the non-compete and really realizing I had a grandfather in being boss as an exclusion to a lot of the things that I couldn't do now for Braid Creative. Anyway, that's that's where it got really kind of messy. But also we worked it out. I feel like yeah. that's kind of, do you guys feel like that's like the most adult conversation you've ever had? Because <laughs> I feel like that could be like one of the most adult conversations. That's like career path planning and and like sort of like a communal (laughs) career path planning amongst like three like ambitious people who want to do amazing things obviously together but that just sounds that's adulting sure well what really helps though is I mean we love having deep serious conversations what is helpful about something like putting it on paper is having an attorney who helps guide us through it you know, and like we would even make her hop on with us and just talk us through it plain speak because we would just go down the rabbit hole of getting too deep and off the rails with it. And we needed someone to say, okay, no, just this means this. Move on to the next bullet. Okay. This means this. It's because I think most creative entrepreneurs are probably like us where I don't know. They'll go there. Like, I'll just go down the rabbit hole of talking about every aspect of what this can mean or entail. If one of us leaves or if someone does this or someone does that. And I rather, I like having an expert on the other side. So I think hiring a lawyer was a big bonus to help us from not getting so sucked down the drama hole and more like, okay, this is just normal. Let's move on to the next thing and just getting it done. But I want to highlight, Emily, you said this communal word. And I will say that beyond the operating agreement and having hiring like a legit lawyer to help us walk through it, there is this element of trust that at the end of the day, you feel like you're doing that trust fall. And I've got it with Tara, obviously. I have it with Holly. I have it with you, Emily. And it's one of those things where you have to say, okay, at the end of the day, we have each other's backs and we promise to be good people. And to like our goal is never to screw anyone else over. Our goal is always to grow and build this amazing thing together. And I think we have to constantly remind ourselves of that because whenever you're doing an operating agreement, you're constantly going to worst case scenario of someone <laughs> being brought on as a third partner and then quitting the next day and you have to pay them out thousands and thousands of dollars. 
This Bean Boss episode is brought to you by 2020, where creative minds get authentic real world stock photos. If you're looking to tell a true story through your brand to deliver an honest message to your audience on social media, the photos you use will matter. 2020 has crowdsourced millions of photos from a community of over 350,000 photographers, all available under a simple royalty-free license. Today, they're offering listeners of Being Boss a five-photo-free trial. To start yours right now, go to 2020.com slash beingboss. That's the word 20, then 20.com slash beingboss to get five free photos. But I want to talk about like just growing your team as well, because it didn't just stop at adding on Holly. Braid has gotten even bigger than that. Yes, we well, we've always had Liz, um, our brand designer. She does all of our brand design. She's an amazing creative director and a writer. And then we also added another um, client strategist, sort of what you would call um, like an account manager, who she can really take the lead with our organizational clients. We do a lot of facilitating and workshopping and there's just a lot of back and forth. And honestly, I mean, Kathleen and I can do it, but we've gotten pretty spoiled by our own method, which has very specific touch points that we meet with our clients. And we have very specific deliverables. But as we grow and things get messier, um, more traditional clients expect a lot more customer service back and forth. And so we knew that that wasn't our wheelhouse. And so we added someone else to help with that as well. Um, and so, yeah, we're just growing. We're probably going to be hiring a new designer soon. Um, so, and we've yeah. also been working with a lot more vendors. So we're hiring video crews and managing those, you know, budgets and projects and, um, we're working with outside vendors for more print stuff and media. And so we're growing beyond just our team in that way as well. And I really feel like, Tara, you can speak to this too a little bit. I feel like we're investing in our business in a whole new way. Whereas we've always kind of bootstrapped things. And if we're getting a paycheck, we're paying ourselves. And Emily and I are experiencing this over at Being Boss as well with a few big ideas that we have in the pipeline where we're kind of putting money back into the business and taking bigger leaps with bigger zeros at the end of them than we ever have before. And that's kind of I, it feels like a very big growth milestone for me. And I wonder if our, any of our listeners are going through it as well. Because like, whenever you're just working for yourself, you kind of get to keep everything that you make. You're paying your bills. Whenever you're investing in a team, it is this whole other ecosystem that you really have to be cognizant of and aware of. And there's a lot of trust and a lot of accounting and scary stuff that goes into it. Wouldn't you guys say? Yeah, yeah. for sure. And I want to hear, Tara, from you. Like, How do you feel about such a big shift in how money is managed at Braid because that's been your job at Braid. Oh my goodness time. gracious. So <laughs> <laughs> the exasperation. Please I tell. I'm in the middle of that right now, which is I really loved doing the books and looking at the money and managing the money. I love that part of my role at Braid. I loved my little dashboard when I'd open up my accounting software and I saw the money coming in and the money going out. I loved sending invoices to clients. It was fun. Thank you, FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. (laughs) Fun, fun. But now it's getting to the point where I can tell it's not going to be fun 
for one second longer. It's going to be complicated. And so we're also contracting with um, a CPA who has more experience with firms and agencies and figuring out how that works. And that's been really hard for me, letting go of that control for sure. And it hasn't even really happened yet. We're in the transition right now. So I still get to send some invoices today, which is kind of fun. And I still get to open our mail and look at some bills that came in. And that's kind of, I think that part's fun too. (laughs) I love it. I don't know why. So anyway, um, as we're shifting over and I'm shifting all those responsibilities over, it's, it's been really hard for me. Like the day that I knew she was going to come in and we were going to transition everything over to her, I kind of got a little teary eyed. Like I almost thought I was going to cry because I just felt so sentimental about what we were able to accomplish in those first five years on our own as two creative directors. And I will say that the same kind of emotion plays into the physical space. So we opened our physical space, big sign on the door in a very trafficked populated area. Like we're a firm, right? We're an agency. And we had so many of our vendors, like Kathleen was talking about, videographers, photographers, talent agents, printers, um, past clients, um, other peers in our city who have had firms all these years be like, oh my gosh, you guys, congratulations. This is such a big deal. Oh my goodness. And I wanted to be like, yeah, it's nice. But what you guys don't realize is we were a really big deal before we opened this storefront. Like, and I feel like almost defensive about it. Like you don't even know. Like we were more (laughs) legit than you can imagine doing this from home, online, in a shed, But when you got into our content and you got into our strategy and our business model and us working together and our books and the money, we were legit. And so now all of a sudden everyone being like, oh my gosh, you guys finally made it. I'm like, no, if anything, things are about to get messy before we make it again. Does that make sense? Like now we're investing in a different type of model. We're just doing it in a different, more physical way. And yes, we have to order a printer. And we have to order physical <laughs> checks. We had to order physical checks that you print in the printer. I'm like, what even is a check, right? Those are and we have know nightmare. how to put it in the printer. And Worst like, nightmare. Why are we doing this online? Because not all vendors and traditional partners and colleagues can do it that way. And so it's very interesting me figuring out what I want to stick to, my guns to, and go, no, I know this is the way it used to be done. But this has worked for Braid in this new world, you guys. And let's just keep operating this way. And what I have to let go and go, okay, we can order checks. Okay. We can order a printer. I'm I'm glad that you're mentioning this because I think that one huge mindset shift we've had to make is that we're not, I think one of the phrases that we use a lot is like going back to the agency model and going back to the agency days and this idea of going back and remembering we're not going back to anything. We have created something pretty incredible in a whole new way on our own terms over the past five years. And now we are bringing the way that things were into this new model. And so even in our physical space, I remember thinking, well, I guess we need to get the same kind of decorations we had back at our old office. And then having this moment of like, oh, no, no, we can make our office look like jungle style. We can make it 
cover it in rugs and textiles and we can make it look like whatever we want to. And so for me, the the physical space is kind of this representation of, oh, we can do it in our way and, and we can choose how that looks for us. And so the same applies to how we work with our vendors and how we work with our clients and really bringing what we've learned and our expertise and our experience, both in the agency and the creative entrepreneur world, into this new world. And that's the other thing with working with businesses and organizations, kind of backtracking to what we were talking about before, is that I think that in the past five years, they've really come to understand in a more mainstream and almost intuitive way what it is to be a creative entrepreneur. I think more and more people are quitting their jobs and working as contractors. More companies are adopting these like kind of flexible work Work styles yeah and so I feel like with all of that transition and change like the whole world the whole economy is changing a little bit and I think that our bigger clients now are really excited to be along for the ride and we're really helping them in a lot of ways transition into a new way of branding and working and marketing and advertising yes and we still say no a lot even now, even though we're getting broader and bigger and growing a team, we still have people say, hey, oh, cool. Can you do this ad campaign for me? And we say, well, yes, but you have to start with our braid method. And this is it. Let me tell you what that is. So we're still sticking to our principles on many things and our offerings and our expertise is the, the biggest one that we always stick to. How do you know which sort of policies to stick with and which ones you're willing to give in on? Let me tell you in six months. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. We'll talk about it then for I sure. don't know. I don't have a formula yet for how do I know if this is just me being stubborn and not wanting to let go of what I've gotten used to and how much of it is actually being smart. And I'm still figuring it out. Um which is nice to have a team now to help me figure it out together. Especially three partners has been really cool and and it really helps have those conversations for sure. Yeah, I definitely imagine having three being not necessarily like overall easy, easier, but easier in the sense of just making decisions. Like there's no like yes or no or like – I imagine that creates an ecosystem for, I don't know, maybe faster conversations and quicker decisions. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. It makes me think, oh, I feel like people should only be like one person or three people. Because <laughs> two people has to be – it can be hard unless, you know, a lot of people are wary of bringing on a partner. And, you know, if you're married or your sisters or there's sometimes a built-in trust – if you're best friends, that's kind of scary. You might not be best friends for long or you might be great. It's I don't think there's one right answer, but I do think three makes it easier for us, for sure. I think it's probably like siblings, like birth order. <laughs> I either went one kid or I went three. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because like two kids, it's like they're fighting with each other or they're fighting for attention from their parents. I feel like partners is the same way where like two people can always say it really does add in this element of voting, right? Like raise your hand if you want to do this, <laughs> right? And, ta- and taking it less personally. Yeah. You know? 
Okay, bosses, this is the kind of thing that I don't normally do, but I got a FabFitFun box in the mail and I loved it. So if you don't already know about FabFitFun, it's a seasonal box with full-size beauty, fitness, and lifestyle products. Their spring editor's box is epic. It has products like a free people eye mask, beauty and skincare products from Kate Somerville, which is my personal favorite, and Tarte, which is another favorite, a super cute mug by Aisha Curry, and that's just the beginning of it. Don't miss out because they sell out fast. Check out www.fabfitfun.com and use the code BOSS so you can save $10 off your first box, making it only $39.99. You all, that is such a steal. Again, that's fabfitfun.com and use the code BOSS. With how hard you work as a creative entrepreneur, you deserve to treat yourself. What are you guys planning moving forward? So you get, well, before we even get there, let's talk about back to that timeline of the transition. Right. Are you guys in it now or yeah. are you like getting into it? Where, where are you at in changing and changing the kinds of people that you guys work with? We are in it. We're in it. It's happening. Um, I would say we've been in it for a good mm, six months now. I would say. And it's interesting. Some of our new clients are new. Some of them came through our old brave stomping grounds. People like Kathleen who have grown up since working with us five years ago or have moved on to work with larger organizations that are still purpose-driven. We've worked with an inclusion and diversity consulting firm. Uh, we've worked with a group of spiritual and life coaches who are a group instead of an individual. And then we've gotten now to work with some larger clients who knew us from the old days. Um, and so it feels a little bit like getting the band back together in some cases. And in other cases, we're just really surprised by who is finding us. Um, it's tricky. The trickiest part of the trans transition that we're still in is not as much behind the scenes and managing the books and managing the legal aspect and growing the team. It's also positioning ourselves. So I'm trying to think of this, um, like how our clients or your listeners might think about it. You know, if you are known for one thing and you're sharing a particular type of content online, in your blog, through your podcast, through your email list, because you know your dream client and you know their wants and needs. So everything you write feels really personal and specific and all the things that it should to attract them to you and your content, that can get a little trickier when you start to broaden out. And so that's something we're still figuring out. I think for us, it's knowing which platform is speaking to which person and um, knowing that online, uh, you know, most of our list, most of our followers are creative entrepreneurs, but also just acknowledging that they're not all that, you know? And so how, I think the biggest shift for us was we started sharing content that's maybe a little bit less about advice to that audience, which is what we've been doing for five years and shifting more to talking about what we've learned about our ex, about branding, about what a brand is in a way that we know can relate to both our audiences. And, and the trick is just not watering it down because that's the thing we've, been so passionate about not doing 
all these years, is not watering down your message because you're trying to appeal to everyone. And the way we're able to do that, I think, is by sticking to what it is we are experts at and not trying to be everything to everyone, but still open up who that maybe that everyone is. Does that make sense? It's like one thing we're broadening, one thing we're staying pretty specific about. Right. And it's just, it's a minor shift in content and like what it is that you're sharing yeah, that gives you that without like rethinking or even repositioning entirely. I think it's kind of genius. Another mindset thing that we've done is thinking about all of our creative entrepreneurs as kind of one client, like one big bucket of revenue, if that makes sense. Like if we're talking about diversifying a business model, I kind of think of them as one big client. And so that kind of helps me stay specific in my voice. Whereas before I would be really niching and doing an article just for photographers or just for coaches. And now I'm really thinking, okay, just for creative entrepreneurs, what does that look like? And if I am writing a blog post and I'm writing it for creative entrepreneurs, I might reread it through the lens of a marketing director and say, does this still apply? And sometimes I'm surprised, like, okay, yes, a lot of creative entrepreneurs and a lot of marketing directors have the same challenges, which might be, where are all the places that my brand shows up? And for me, it's helped me become more creative in the content that I'm sharing in like what will actually help my creative entrepreneur next after they work with me? What is the kind of content that that would be most helpful to them? So for example, that prompted me to create a huge branding checklist of just all the places that your brand shows up and all the places that you should look at once you update your brand platform. And we can include a link to that blog post in the show notes. But then also realizing like this is really helpful for us whenever it comes to tactics for our organizational clients as to saying what tactics can we create and implement for you after we do your brand platform. And so it really does work for both. And I think that's really cool too. And it's interesting that Kathleen's a marketing director because we knew immediately if we were going to be speaking to a different audience of what we say, purpose-driven businesses, that um, it's still people. So who is that person reading our content, following us, hearing about us? And we decided, well, it's the marketing director. And she's probably, you know, this age and, you know, all that dream client profiling that you do. So we always think of it as the creative entrepreneur, the marketing director. And like Kathleen said, they're not that different. Yeah, and that's why I'd say to anyone who's really wanting to expand their niche is to still get really specific about who you are helping because it's still a single person that is presenting your work to their CEO or holding the keys themselves and hiring you. And so I think that that's something I would think about as well and seeing what they have in common and what they don't. And also philosophically, once we... Okay, so let's kind of go through the maybe what we call the sales funnel, I guess, for a lack of a better term. We've got our email list. We've got the blog. We've got content we're putting out there. We've got word of mouth. People are hearing about us, finding us. Um, if we can, then they're inquiring. They're emailing us, hey, I want to learn more. I want to talk about working one-on-one. Um, in that inquiry, we can tell very quickly if they're part of a larger organization or they're a creative entrepreneur. Um, we start the process of onboarding. So we always have that first phone call, the kickoff phone call after an email inquiry. If we've sent them our pricing and how we generally work and it still feels like a fit and they want to meet, we know if we get on the phone or on video that depending who they are, we can show them a whole different case study of what we've done in the past 
Um, usually if we can get on a call with someone, um, we're 75% to 90% there as far as closing that agreement and becoming their agency or then becoming our client. Um, and so that is just recognizing that as long as our website and our online content isn't completely repelling that other audience and we still look legit and consistent and polished, it doesn't mean we have to look corporate. We don't have to look generic. We, we can look like braid. We can still do, and we still behind the scenes. Once you become our client, we're still saying the same things. We're saying, Hey, you're people, not a generic corporation. Hey, instead of coming up with a clever headline for this brand, tagline or for this campaign, how about we just use the real words that your people are using? Let's tap into the personality you already have. I'm not going to come in and do a, hey, you should be this or you should sound like this. It's all still about blending the personality with the offering um, and just mining for what's already there and saying what people are already saying and not trying to come in with a slick, here's a magic bullet slogan, look and feel that will make you a million. So philosophically, it's easy once we get behind the scenes working with a client, whether it's 10 people in a room in a marketing department or one person one-on-one, it's the same thing that we are believing in and talking about and how we write and design. I love all of that so much because I feel like so many people who, and again, Kathleen, you're right. Like all the people that we've been talking to for five, six, seven years, even before we started the podcast, like they, everyone gets to a point if you stay in your business where it's time to make decisions and it's time to grow. And I love that you've come and sort of illustrated how it is that you guys have made all these little shifts in order to expand what it is that you're doing to scale and also to make more impact. And I agree that it's not about redefining who you are and it's not about, um, you know, changing what it is that you offer and what it is that you're saying to, you know, get clients or deliver the thing or whatever it is. It's just about making little shifts and finding where and how what you already offer can help other people. Because I do agree that whenever you start as a micro business or, you know, solopreneur, super small business, like you have to get so narrow. Like that's how you get good at what it is that you're going to be doing. But there does come a time when it's time to expand what it is that you're doing. And you guys have done it. You're doing it now. You have done it. You've done the legwork. You're on the way. And I like that it's not about like redefining. It's just about super small little shifts in, it sounds like pretty much every area of your business. Yeah. And and what I always, we always say is not throwing the baby out with the bathwater, you know, just because you're, you think, I mean, we, it feels really like a big shift what we've done, but it's all little small things. And so nothing has really been there's nothing that we really said, okay, we have to stop doing this now, or we can't say that anymore, or we can no longer even be braid. We need to change our name. No. Let's see what we can just shift and alter. 
and what so we can all keep. of those things were big conversations. Do uh, we change our name? What is our tagline? How does this affect our website? I mean, there's been so much conversation and intentional decision making around the teeniest, tiniest things that have been really hard to like in some ways making those small shifts is even harder than saying, you know what, let's just burn it all down and start yeah, over again. Because we're being so careful. And most people will go to our site now and not even most people wouldn't even know we made changes. That's how careful and intentional and small these these changes were, even though they had big conversations behind them. I love it. Kathleen, is there any other braid things you want to talk about? No. Is there anything else you want to know about? I no, not. I want to know what Tara's watching and reading these days. Because <laughs> she always Tara, has the we... best recommendations. I'm ready to go into the fun conversation part with Tara, please. Emily and I were on a podcast um, yesterday, and the guy said that he was listening to one of our episodes with you, and he was uh-huh. like, it was just so funny how you guys were talking about like what you're watching. That was just so funny. I was like, well, that's that's our favorite conversation. Yeah, that I wish that was the whole conversation. Um, you know, I feel bad because I used to read so much, and I don't read as much anymore, but I think maybe is everyone like that now? Because, te- because the shows are so good. The shows are just so good. So here's what I'm watching now. I'm watching uh, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel on Amazon Prime. I was kind of reluctant. I don't know why. I guess I thought it looked sort of the premise is she's like a female comedian and it's set in the I feel like the late 50s, early 60s, more 50s, I think. And I just thought, oh, it looks a little happy, shiny. So Kali, who's also a big movie. That's why she's our partner. Big movie she and TVs. <laughs> watch her. She came in and was like, you have to watch this. And I was like, ugh. It was her cursing. Not that I need it. It's just a good indicator. <laughs> it's a good indicator that this show will go there. <laughs> I, go, I love there, that that's like, I'm I like, go, I need sex. Is there right. sex? I go, is there cursing? She said, yes. I go, is there nudity? And she said, yes. And I was like, okay, I'll watch it. So... <laughs> I watched Perfect. it and it was so cute. And then in the final um, credits, it said Amy Sherman Palladino and David Palladino. I think I got that right, Daniel, David. And I was like, oh my gosh, texting Holly. That's the creators of Gilmore Girls. And I love when I have these moments and I'm watching something. I'm like, of course, of course it is. Like if Gilmore Girls could curse and have nudity <laughs> and be set in the 50s. So that was really cute. I really enjoy it and I highly recommend it. Um, what else am I we're a little bit in a show drought. The Walking Dead is really kind of wearing me out, so I haven't been watching because that as much. Because there's not enough nudity. I know. There should they, be so much I, more getting it on in the zombie apocalypse. I, I mean, know. As, I okay. feel like it's just a waste of Daryl Dixon. Like, If you guys – well, yeah, whoever's Walking Dead fans, like, Daryl is it, right? Norman Reedus. Like, everyone's in love with Daryl, but why can't he just – Hook up with somebody for the love of God. Why can't he just get naked? Yeah. And there's a new guy on there who's got like long, scraggly blonde hair and he's half his face is burned. And I call him new, I call him new Daryl. He's all skinny. He's all skinny. And uh, I think he even stole Daryl's biker jacket. Anyway, he, his name's Dwight. And I call him New Daryl. And I'm like, God, maybe New Daryl will hook up with somebody because he's pretty cute too. No, <laughs> none of it's happening. It's, I can't. So I'm in a show drought. I'm waiting for Westworld to come back on. I cannot wait. 
So the funny thing about Westworld is, you know, it's set in a robot post-apocalyptic fantasy, like Disney World sort of, but it's Western. And the coolest motif that they have is that there's a player piano and the player piano, you know, it's a piano that kind of plays itself, right? And it's sort of a metaphor for the show because they're robots. They're playing themselves, but they're on a loop. And so this player piano, if you notice, is in the saloon. It's always playing like some popular music, like it's playing Black Hole Sun or Rolling Stones, or it's playing some sort of popular music, but you don't really catch it because it sounds all honky-tonk, saloony, player piano-y. And I love that. But that was one of my favorite things about the show. And so Holly comes in to our space at Braid because we come in now and see each other face-to-face instead of just videoing. She's like, okay, you have to watch the trailer for Westworld that came on during the Super Bowl because she knows I don't watch the Super Bowl. And so she always makes me watch all the commercials the next day. And I was like, okay, because I hate when people make me watch a video clip. Like, I hate it. Like, I just want to, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I got to show you this. And I'm like. I have a life to live. And then it takes forever to load and like they can't find the right So you know who does this is uh, Jeremy. Kathleen's I know. I know. <laughs> oh, oh Tara. Tara oh, mine will do it this. too. It's awful. I'm like, mine no, too. honey. I've been, I've been doing things all day. But I've learned that I'm Jeremy this video. is only showing the best clips. I just trust. Agreed. I know. So is I Holly. Know. So is my husband. So is your. So is David. Like, yep. they're showing us good stuff. It's just sort of that, like, ugh, really. Yeah. And then it's always good. But anyway, so I go, okay, fine. So I'm over here at my desk, and she's over at her desk, and I put on my headphones. I'm like, I'm gonna watch this Westworld trailer. And it comes on and it's like, ding, ding. It's just the piano, right? Ding. And I'm like, oh, I wonder what. I was like, Holly. I go, this is Kanye. I was about to say, is it Kanye? Yeah. And I go, and what's so funny about this is that song's actually like that. It's a runaway. I know. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's actually, actually like it's a that. piano. So anyway, that was a long, nerdy, roundabout way to say that's the kind of stuff that gets me super excited. So I'm I can't wait for Westworld. Westworld to come back on. Love it. And plenty of nudity. Plenty of cursing, plenty of hooking up, but also beautiful, cool metaphors. I've been catching up on Harry Potter. Oh my god! About Tom, catching up on—that's like I've been <laughs> fifteen like, years later. No, we're like finally watching, finally watching Harry yeah. Potter, and Fox I, is watching it with us. Good, good, good. Mm-hmm. Um, I was the really awful mom who wouldn't let Lily watch them until she read the books. Yeah. Um, uh, see, this is really just, I'm selfish. Like, I need to watch something. I need Fox to chill and watch something, too. And I just need to finally get on the Harry Potter train. Yes, I know, do. but I'm if you don't that. read them, it's not as good. I mean, that's true. I don't really see what all you the don't, hype is about. Exactly. But I feel like Emily's going to break up with me if I say that. <laughs> Emily, if you hadn't read I'm them. I'm an adult. If I'm you adult hadn't now. read it. <laughs> if you hadn't read it, you wouldn't be as emotionally invested in Oh, definitely not. I also read them. So I read them at the same age, pretty much that Harry was, like, as he did it. Like, our birthdays was on the same day one year. Like, it came out on my birthday. Like, so, like, legit, like, Harry Potter magic is in me. I'm just a weird age. I missed it. Yeah, I understand. I completely understand. I do. Oh, my gosh. I feel like our listener. I forgot that we're recording a podcast. Dear <laughs> listeners, I know that all of you love Harry Potter so much, and I want to love it, too. And I do. <laughs> and one day I will read all of them, and then I'll rewatch all the movies, and I know I will be 100% behind it. Please don't be mad at me. <laughs> you can read them when Fox is reading them. When Fox yeah. is old enough to read them, that's when you'll read them, and then you'll get it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. 
or you won't, and then we will break up. <laughs> it just is what it is. That needs to be put into our operating agreement. Right. If Kathleen doesn't watch and read love all and the love Harry Potters. All seven Harry Potter books by this day, we're done. Being boss will close. Um, no, I do have to, I can't remember if I've asked you this, Kathleen, but I have to find out if either of you are watching the reboot of Will and Grace. No, I'm, I haven't been. It's hysterical. Did either of you like watch Will and Grace back I did. in the day? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. you have to watch the reboot because I feel like both of you, both of you, are the kind of people who did. Yeah, Good. yeah. Please watch the reboot. It's hysterical. Well, and I okay. love the Megan Mullally who plays Karen, and in it's the best. Um, what I yes, Parks Karen. and Rec. Karen, she's so Wait. good in that. Wait, isn't her name Karen in? Wait, I messed up. What well, her name in Will and it's Grace? Karen is Karen and Will and Gate. What and is it in Parks and Rec? Tammy. <laughs> it's Tammy. <laughs> yes, it's so also good. So- Emily sent me a Instagram message last night of the reboot of Trading Spaces, Trading Spaces which we used to also watch back. together, like HGTV Trading Spaces. This is a like TLC kind of before Trading Spaces. HGTV. The big oh. HGTV trend. Like we used to watch that Tara. Like, it was on Bravo way Lifetime? back in the day. It was on TLC back in the day. It's coming TLC. back to TLC, and it has like original like designers and host and carpenters. Remember Ty Pennington, the carpenter? Because yes. I remember Ty Pennington, yes. the carpenter. Um, they're all coming back, and Trading Spaces is coming back, and I am so excited. And I feel like what's cool about it is that in hindsight, they can they're they're kind of making fun of how ridiculous their designs oh, were. Yeah. Like they're yeah, like, yeah. remember whenever we did this and how awful that it was? It was like and a so, tiki room, or like yeah, a, yeah. Or, or like having a whole wall full of moss, or like the really bad red and yellow stripes. Room. I mean, you would. She was ahead of her time. Oh my god! <laughs> but I feel like they're. I feel like they realized. I think at the time they were kind of taking themselves seriously, and now. Yeah, yeah. In hindsight, 20 years later or whatever, they're like, okay, yeah, that was ridiculous. So I'm curious to see the direction that they take the show. And then, oh, also Queer Eye for the Straight Guy had a reboot. I did Mm -hmm. watch all of that. It was cute. I haven't caught up on that one. I'll add that one to my list. It was cute. I like it. I cried a little. I'm super excited about (laughs) Trading Spaces. Will and Grace, you guys have to check that out. Everyone has to check out Will and Grace. It's so relevant and snarky and fantastic. Um, and then I'm also kind of in a show drought as well. Actually, David and I have started watching Perception, which has, um, oh, I can't remember his first name, but McCormick from Will and Grace. Will. Yes. The, like, Perception. Things is schizophrenic. Which FBI channel is that on? Consultant. Uh, Hulu. It's on Hulu. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know channels anymore. You know what show I was watching on Hulu? I don't think I've talked about this. Y- Younger with Hilary Duff. and Is that good? Is it good? Uh, eh. I, I don't know. It was like one of those I'm working on a logo and kind of watching TV in the background kind of shows. In the same vein, I've enjoyed Love on Netflix. I really like that. That was sort of like a girl's replacement for when girls stopped. Mm-hmm. Yep. I will tell you both because this is a favorite pastime of ours. I've been watching Fixer Upper <laughs> on Hulu oh a lot lately. Gosh. Okay, so David can't get as snarky as you two. Like he <laughs> just doesn't seem to have it in him. Me and Tara and Emily were once traveling together, like at a <laughs> event, and 
in the evening after we were done with working, we would just hole up in a room and watch Fixer Upper together, all three of us, and just get super snarky. And just commentate the whole thing with all of our, like, really strong opinions. And it was so much fun. And it wasn't just Fixer Upper. It was also, um, like, property. It was all that stuff. Anything that was on. Anything that was was on HGTV. HGTV. (laughs) And I will say, I think with Fixer Upper, we did it with loving – like love a loving respect for what they've done, dear oh, listeners, but, dear right. listeners, we like, love Chip and Joanna like Gaines. Super admire like, so those like really shitty rooms or houses like before they get redone and been like, who lived in this dump or wherever it was, um, and then as they're, I don't know, as it's all coming together, just being real dramatic. It's a fun time. It was like that show, it's Mystery Science Theater. What's that? Mystery Science Theater 3000. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, where yeah. the commentary on that. Yeah, like, where you just sat there and made commentary on. Like, we couldn't right. help but imagine how annoyed Joanna Gaines is because the producers are like, okay, now we need to get the clip with your eight kids coming in and eating pizza. And she's probably like, okay, let's do this. Right. I just imagine her being exhausted. I know. I don't yeah. know. I don't know how how they do it i feel i mean i okay this is the thing i went to go see justin timberlake in concert and the whole time and i feel this way about tv shows too the whole time like i can't enjoy anything anymore i know i wonder how much this costs i wonder how much money he's making i wonder how tired he is i I literally pulled out my calculator and started calculating okay if all of these tickets were 100 (laughs) and then all of these were 200 i mean this is like yeah i do the same thing coming out Yeah, and yeah. then I'm like, how much does it cost to have all the equipment on the road? And is he flying from a personal jet to here? And what about Jessica Beale and their kid? Are they on the tour bus somewhere? Are they under the stadium? Is it so loud for them? Like, I just go through all the inner behind the scenes workings and I can't help but do that. I can kind of get um, out of it whenever I'm watching a really well done movie or TV show. I'm just in it. But like reality TV, especially and yeah. this concert. I was just thinking the whole time about the production and the editing and the choices that they've made. And it's exhausting. I feel like I'm working. Yeah, yeah. I feel the same way, which is why if I'm going to watch it, I'm just going to carry along with them. Just going to commentate right alongside. Um, And that makes me feel better. (laughs) I've been really into showing Fox shows that we grew up with. And so I'll text Tara and ask her, "Okay, what show should I show Fox? And Beetlejuice was one of them that he's obsessed with. Love it. But then Tara and her son came up, her youngest, for a long weekend here in Detroit. And we all watched Ghostbusters together. It was awesome. And we all Tara sang. And I we were sang. Talking. Whenever the song would come on, we'd all sing. Oh, and Thor. So Thor is Tara and Foxy's show together. That's our special movie. Ragnarok. Ragnarok. Oh. So Fox wakes up sometimes in the morning going, Ah. <laughs> That's adorable. And then he talks all about Aunt Tara. And then you text me the other day, what, what's next? And I said, Gremlins. Did you guys watch Gremlins? We did. That I one? know. Emily's making a face. Jeremy was like, I think this is too scary. I, we kind of all were a little bored. I'm sorry. Well, oh, it's the no, first. No. You have to just get through the first. I know. You yeah. just be- 
I loved Gremlins, but apparently on David's side of the family, it was like nightmare movie. So, <laughs> which is why I made that face where I don't think I can really bring that one into my house. I Do mean, we hear? were watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre <laughs> growing up, so like that was I know Freddy Krueger, like silly, like, all yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I was we had way. real nightmare movies, yeah, yeah, and I liked them. <laughs> Um, David little less so. So we introduced Lily recently to Pinky and the Brain. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Throwing that one out there. Hulu's gotten some Hulu's gotten some good good old shows on. I lately. should show Fox Ren and Stimpy. I wonder if he'd be into that. Mm-hmm. <gasps> <laughs> that was like the one show as a kid I was banned from watching. I could not watch Ren and Stimpy, and sometimes I would like sneak and watch it. And even then, I was like, I don't even want to watch this. Like, I remember a lot ridiculous. of my friends were banned from it. I had friends that were banned from watching The Simpsons. I know. What? I remember watching that with my family when I was super young, and then a couple years later getting banned from it and being like, mm, I think I'm going to call bullshit on this one. <laughs> Obviously not out loud, but in my head. Okay, let's wrap this up. Tara. Mm-hmm. What has made you feel most boss lately? Um, I got some new shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, girl, tell us all about these yes. shoes. These are best. <laughs> what makes you feel most boss ever? Yeah, I've been, yeah, yeah. I've been straightening my hair a little bit more. Not super straight, but just a little bit. I've always had – I'm always big for curly hair. And so then I have conflicted feelings about straightening it. So I don't know if I feel, that makes you feel boss. I kind of feel like a traitor straightening my hair. But you look That's like another Drew episode. <laughs> you look very Drew Barrymore with your hair. <sighs> you do. Um, you do. You do. I agree you. with that. I think that's boss. Thank you. I mean, I think um, it's little things like that that make me feel boss because the big things are kind of just – Make you feel but, anything but boss? Like no. They've <laughs> just become part of my norm. So sometimes it's the that's little true. personal things that make me – I feel like our business has become – bigger than just one of us and so I have to stop and really pinch myself and look and say wow this is a big deal um it's like the little things when you get up and you're like am I gonna wash my hair am I gonna you know even still right and those are the things that make can make you feel more boss than other days and where can our listeners find braid you can go to braidcreative.com and sign up for our emails or check out our blog. And or if you're in the Paseo Arts District in Oklahoma City on a gallery walk, you can walk by our windows and wave. But we won't be there because we don't work after 5 p.m. I love it. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Awesome. Thanks for coming to chat, Tara. Thanks, guys. Hey bosses, I want to tell you about the CEO Day Kit. The CEO Day Kit is 12 months of focus planning for your business in just one day. So Emily and I have packaged up the exact tools that we've been consistently using for years that have helped us grow from baby bosses to the CEOs of our own businesses. Gain clarity, find focus, get momentum, prioritize your time, make better decisions, and become more self-reliant with the CEO Day Kit. Go to courses.beingboss.club to learn more and see if it's a fit for you and your business. Shout out to this episode's sponsors, including FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. Go to freshbooks.com slash beingboss and enter beingboss in the how did you hear about us section to try it for free. 
Go to 2020.com slash beingboss. That's 220.com slash beingboss to get some really good stock photos. And they're going to get through a few free ones your way. And then, of course, fabfitfun.com. Enter the code BOSS so you can save $10 off your first box, making it only $39.99. Thank you for listening to Being Boss. Find articles, show notes, and downloads at www.beingboss.club. Thank you so much to our team and sponsors who make Being Boss possible. Our sound engineer and web developer, Corey Winter. Our editorial director and content manager, Caitlin Brame. Our community manager and social media director, Sharon Lukey. And our Bean counter, David Austin, with support from Braid Creative and Indie Shopography. Do the work, be boss, and we'll see you next week.